You're listening to the Hustler Hot Seat Podcast, episode number 23. In this episode, I sat down with Natalie from the Gutsy Feeling blog to talk about all things entrepreneurship and how to conquer being an entrepreneur with a chronic illness. Natalie was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at the age of 11, and instead of letting her Crohn's take control of her life, she learned ways in which she could deal with it, while also inspiring other people with chronic illnesses to live out their best lives. Not only does Natalie spend her time being a role model and inspiration to the people who follow her blog and Instagram account on the daily basis, but she's also in school doing her master's. And if that isn't a hustler... I don't know what is. I personally cannot do Natalie's beautiful story justice, so I'm going to let her tell it herself. But I am so excited for you to hear this episode. When I sat down with Natalie, she told me that her goal for the episode was to educate the audience. So you are going to learn a whole lot about chronic illness and specifically Crohn's in this episode as well as everything about entrepreneurship and building a brand and partnering with other brands to make money. It's all in this episode. So sit back, relax, listen, because Natalie's story is one hell of a story. So let's give a wonderful, warm welcome to Natalie. You're listening to The Hustler Hot Seat, and I'm your host, Kirsten Perry. I help young entrepreneurs turn their passions into profit-building businesses. From marketing for your niche to partnering with your ideal clients, I'm here to help, and so are some of my fellow entrepreneurs. So grab a coffee, sit back, relax, worry about the hustle later, and let's get to it. Hey, Natalie, and welcome to the Hustler Hot Seat. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. I'm super stoked that I get to have the opportunity to tell your story and hopefully impact the lives of our listeners. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. For sure. So why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about you and what your story is? Sure. So I'm just going to take it from the beginning. Um, so I am from Windsor, Ontario, like you are. Um, I, (laughs) I live with my two parents and my older brother. So that's just kind of like my home life. Um, growing up, I really liked to sing. Um, I was always a very creative person and, um, singing was one of my biggest passions, um, for a really long time. It still is, but it's not something that's like my career. Um, so throughout school I really liked math and science which led me to architecture and I got a bachelor's of architecture um, degree last year before that I got a BA in a joint program and this upcoming year I'm getting my master's so that's basically my like school life Um, and next year I'll be doing my thesis on how architecture can help with physical healing but beyond that and why I started my blog was because of my Crohn's journey so I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when I was 11 years old Um, and basically probably not a lot of people know about Crohn's disease or know a lot about it Um, 
And basically what it is, is it's an inflammatory um, disease of your intestines. So um, you can get CD, which is Crohn's disease, or ulcerative colitis. Um, and those are two different types of irritable bowel disease. Crohn's disease affects anywhere from your, uh, your mouth to your bum. So gum to bum is what they say. Um, and <laughs> so that's fun. But... Um, most people have it in their small intestine um, and then your uh, colitis typically affects your colon but it can vary based on the person um, so that's just a little backstory so everybody's up to date on what <laughs> on what irritable bowel disease is um, but basically when I was originally diagnosed I was super young um, I my parents didn't really know what was going on um, and I basically lost like 30 pounds. I was very uh, weak. I could barely even swallow pudding and I had a fever of 104. So by that point we went to the hospital and I spent about a week in the hospital. And after that point, after like tests and a bunch of stuff, they found out that I had Crohn's disease and I had a lot of active disease in my intestines at those times. So I went on some steroids and some medication and I was pretty good after like a year later. Um, and I kind of was in remission and feeling pretty good for about six years. Um, I, I was doing pretty well. I didn't have a lot of huge symptoms. If I did, I would just take a course of steroids and then it would be fine and it'd be gone. So mm -hmm. um essentially that all changed when when I went into like first year second year university so when I went into those uh years of university I started to experience this really bad like I called it a spinny pain but it wasn't really if it, it basically just felt like your intestines contracting in a spinning motion and it was mm -hmm. really hard to describe and my doctors had no idea what was going on and so essentially um at the time I was also transitioning to a new doctor and the new doctor wanted me to run wanted to run all the tests and what was interesting was that a colonoscopy which is what they usually use to see um, your intestines it was showing everything completely clear but I had all mm -hmm. these symptoms and so essentially my doctor sent me for an MRI and it's actually an MRE and it's a special type of MRI it's in an MRI machine but you get um, dye injected into your intestines to see where inflammation is and that's when they saw that there was 30 uh, centimeters so like a foot of active disease um, right where the ileum so at the junction of the small intestine and large intestine which you can't see with a colonoscopy um, and so basically I tried one biologic drug called Remigade and it's an infusion drug and it didn't work and then I went to Stellara which is a different type of biologic but it's a injectable drug and thank god my boyfriend would inject it for me because I was like not gonna do it <laughs> but um so that failed and then basically May of last year I was either given the choice to do experimental treatment or to get surgery so I decided to get surgery in July of last year so I've been a year since I had my surgery this month which is super great and it was it's been fantastic ever since it was definitely really difficult after surgery um for the first three months but I've I've 
been so much better and I had these terrible pains before to the point where I was like six months pregnant every single night and Mm -hmm. I'm not even exaggerating every single night it would happen by like 5 p.m. like clockwork it was like the craziest thing and the reason why I was getting those terrible pains was because I had a narrowing or a stricture in my intestine So basically, my intestine was the size of like a dime at that point. Mm. So it couldn't pass any food. And that's why I basically got distension of my bowel every single day because that's what was causing the bloating. So long story short, that's me. Not really, not really short at all, but that's me. (laughs) So how does this relate to your blog so you have gutsy feeling and you've been doing that for quite some time so obviously I know that there's the connection there but what kind of inspired the blog to start well so I actually started my blog at a a really weird time um so I started my blog in June of last year so that was right before I was going in for surgery like a crazy person who starts a blog right before they're going in for surgery so basically I decided that I wanted to start my blog because I wanted to share my journey as I went through surgery and and connect with other people um connect with other people who are going through similar experiences and now in retrospect I have so many followers that I talk to that have been through so many similar experiences, but at the time, I felt like I was the only one who was experiencing that kind of symptom, when in reality, there's so many people. So in retrospect, um, I was able to find that out, but the real reason was to connect with people and to just share my story so that people felt less alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but now really like the goal of gutsy feeling is to help people thrive so to show people that you don't have to be owned or chained down by your chronic illness and that you can really with uh simple shifts in your mindset and using the power of self-love self-care and really just listening to your body and owning what's going on in that moment in your life you can ride those ups and downs and thrive despite having a chronic illness and even if you don't have a chronic illness my blog still does have contact that's content that relates to motivation i love talking about motivation i have this like weird obsession with being uber motivated but (laughs) but yeah so that's basically where gutsy feelings stem from um and i was as for the name I kind of just wanted to come up with something that was really catchy so I was like sure this works (laughs) honestly I think the name is suiting I think it's perfect um it is catchy for sure I have no problem remembering it um that's great (laughs) I honestly think the blog is super beautiful and I think that's the kind of content we want to see on the internet there's a lot of negativity that you come across on a daily basis either through Instagram or just the the internet in general mm-hmm. and I've read your blog post and I, I do get that motivation behind it not only do I feel your motivation but it makes me more motivated too so it's working thank you that means so much to me <laughs> good good I did notice that on your blog you not only have knowledge for people who are dealing with chronic illness but people who have somebody in their life that has a chronic illness and how they can kind of support them so could you maybe share a couple tips you have for maybe people with chronic illness or people who know someone with a chronic illness on how they can 
A, deal with it on their own, or B, supportive? Absolutely, yeah. So I think um, that's something that's really important and something that a lot of people within the chronic illness like niche or community talk about a lot is how you can support people who are going through it. Um, and I think that it's something that's not talked about enough um, because you probably know so many people with a chronic illness and you don't even know it because they don't talk about it. Um, but basically some tips that I could give you um, and give the listeners is essentially my first one is to try to not get upset if they have to cancel plans and if they do have to cancel plans last minute um, try not to get upset and try suggesting things that would be more comfortable for them so maybe they can't go out but maybe you can stay in and um, one of the things that you have to remember is that they aren't re unreliable their body is unreliable so their disease is unreliable or their condition is unreliable and they it's not them that doesn't want to go out so just trying to be um empathetic about that um the second one that i would say is really just to um, make sure that you're checking in with them and make sure that it's a safe space to talk uh, especially if they're a close friend of yours um, checking in often is good especially if they're going through a hard time because I know personally that if I'm not if I don't talk to somebody for a long time and I have to explain like even like a month worth of health health concerns that's a lot of work to have to explain so even just checking in once a week and being like hey how are you doing that means a lot to that person um another one that i would say is to ask questions and be informed about their condition so most people don't have a problem explaining to you what's going on and um, explaining even a little bit about it and you can go about and do your own research but asking the person especially like what are your symptoms like and how can I support you if something ever does happen if we're out and like um, something happens and you get a flare or something like that and with that um, basically um, when you when you do do your own research online Make sure that you don't take everything that you read and tell them to try it. <laughs> and that is something that is like a huge uh, like no-no for people with chronic illness is to tell them to try something that you don't have a lot of backed up information on. And obviously most people can be like, great, like I know you're trying to be supportive, but a lot of times some of those things you read online don't work or they might not work for them or they might have already tried it and you just didn't know. So just being sensitive about that um, is a good thing to remember. And one of the other things that I can say is to try not to compare um, Try not to compare like a chronic illness to like the flu or something dumb like that. So um, like, I mean, and I feel like it's just the way I'm describing it is making it seem like, oh, like people with chronic illness are crude and like they don't they don't want to hear what you have to say. But it's just more that if you're comparing your one week flu to somebody's like lifelong illness, it's um, it's not the same and I know that they'll probably understand and laugh it off but just try to be sensitive of how you're talking to that person but overall just trying to be like cool with the person go with the flow and not try to get too upset if plans get um, 
disraveled or if things don't go out go the way that you plan them that's overall i think a big concern for a lot of people because they don't know what their day-to-day is going to come with and for people like myself who are in remission now um those are like those are good times and so making sure that you don't just stay with them through the good times but you're also there through the bad is is really important that's great i do imagine how frustrating it can be when you have an illness that is invisible and Mm -hmm. people can't see it and they don't understand because they don't have it so really kind of keeping those lines of communication open and making sure that they understand what's going on with you kind of like it goes both ways like you Mm -hmm. want that person to be communicative with you mm-hmm. but at the same time you want to make sure you keep those lines of communication open to let them know what exactly is going on so I can definitely see where it would be frustrating yeah absolutely and it's kind of similar and goes back to the idea of um, mental health too and how that is depression and anxiety can be an invisible illness too so if mm-hmm. we start thinking with the same um, types of things that we think about for depression and anxiety and how we would want to check in on those types of people that you can't tell if they're going through something or not in the same way that you can't tell somebody's going through it with a physical invisible illness. Of course. Yeah. So having a chronic illness is one thing, but having a chronic illness and running a blog about a chronic illness (laughs) is another thing. (laughs) So on those days when you just don't have the energy to create content, what do you do? That's a great question. Um, So I think that for the most part, I am a very organized person. Um, And so one thing that I would say is if you are a content creator and have some sort of illness or dealing with something of that nature um, is to batch content. And that's what I do. Um, I try to batch my social media content and my blog content so that I'm at least two weeks in advance um, on my blog. So I have two blog posts in the bank. And also I have, I usually try to do my social media for the whole week on Saturday and Sunday because obviously we're so busy and um, like even an an average person, when they get home from work, they don't want to sit there and write a social media post for probably for the most part on the usual day you might get some strike of inspiration but for the most part I feel like you want to just chill right so (laughs) so I feel like um that's usually what I do and honestly if I didn't muster up the strength and say I didn't get batch contenting or I was going through a flare or really struggling I just would let my followers know like maybe do an insta story and be like hey i'm not feeling well and honestly nobody's gonna care like they're not they're not gonna like hold me to my will and honestly i think that's a better example to show to be like i'm listening to my body i'm honoring my body right now and it's i'm not feeling well and to show people that you're not always feeling well and you're not always on top of your game i feel like that's a better model to show than to just push through and throw out something that isn't worth reading so that's kind of what i would do and just just try to like batch content honestly it works so well i feel like you probably do the same sometimes yes it's it's 
it's a game changer (laughs) i am a big fan of batching content Mm -hmm. we i had a podcast episode on it a little while back and Mm -hmm. i learned especially from jenna kutcher how to batch content so um i preach about it quite often i've got myself into the opposite right now i would say where i'm like oh i have to make a post tonight i have to craft a caption i'm doing it on the spot and it's Uh because i got myself a little bit behind um it's also a little bit harder when you do social media as a career and you're doing it for people all day long that when it comes time to do your own you kind of lack the energy and the drive and the motivation to want to do it but i can say that batch working saves lives yeah (laughs) i mean i don't even (laughs) i don't even know how you do it to be honest like i can barely come up with like five instagram captions a week like i don't know how you do like whatever you do like i don't know you probably do upwards of 30 a week so you're like yeah it's definitely the clients I have are all different so that does help like obviously I have a home builder as a client their content is going to be very different than say a photographer or a co-working space which I have for other clients as well but it does get pretty exhausting and then I start to question if what I'm writing is actually even making sense that I have (laughs) to have somebody else proofread for me to make sure Um, but yes I think that is great great advice Mm -hmm. yeah so obviously you use your blog very heavily that's where it all kind of started and I would say that you're making a pretty huge impact with it but if somebody wanted to start using their social media channels to make an impact in their community how do you think that they should start so I think that this is a really interesting question because I feel like you can just start on whatever feels comfortable and whatever feels right. I feel like that is the best advice that I could give. If you really love Instagram and you really jive with photos and telling your story with photos, then maybe that's the place for you. If you like to do short form things, maybe Twitter is for you. If you like to write really long form posts, then maybe a blog. And I mean, right now, audio and video is really hot. So YouTube and podcasting obviously are great platforms as well but I think it just comes down to whatever you love and whatever um, you can get creative and get motivated with Um, and I think it just really comes down to your why if you don't have a purpose for sharing your story online and if you don't feel um, if you don't have a compelling why and a reason you're gonna stop after I don't know, two months, six months, a year. It, it, it all depends on the person. But I think that really making sure that you have a strong why, you have a strong goal, and um, you continue to push that as you're going through. And your why may evolve. You may change what you're doing. You may rebrand like you did. You yeah. might do. Um, but really, it doesn't matter as long as you're passionate about what you're doing. And it, it doesn't really matter what content you, or what platform you use as long as you're making content. Um, one thing I will say is definitely audio and visual is really hot right now. So if you're trying to like make it in a career type of sense, then maybe go towards those routes. But otherwise, I think it's really just whatever you feel is right. 
Good. I Obviously, you have your blog, so you prefer kind of that longer form content. Mm-hmm. And I think that the people you're speaking to also kind of resonate with that. So not only is it important for you to understand your why, but also your audience mm-hmm. too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think like I have considered doing a podcast and I personally love listening to audio and video formatting. Um, but video, I feel, takes a lot more time and it's just not feasible for me right now to batch videos it's it's a lot more work and but i have considered doing a podcast and that might be something that might come in the future but we'll have to see (laughs) (laughs) very exciting it's honestly a lot easier than people think Mm -hmm. i started my podcast with headphones in my car (laughs) and i just recorded with like the voice memo app on my phone and um if that's what you want to do i think you should definitely kind of dive into it yeah yeah for sure so on your social media channels i follow them obviously (laughs) (laughs) but i've noticed that you have some brand partnerships and you were doing some reviews on products i would love if you could talk to our audience about how to go about obtaining those partnerships maybe from start to finish sure yeah so When it comes to brand partnerships, I haven't really had anything that's super huge yet, but I have definitely collaborated and worked with a few brands and been gifted some products, which is super awesome and something that I never even imagined would have happened when I started my blog. Um, But it definitely can be extremely difficult to get brands' attention. Um, Way more difficult than people describe it to be. Um, And... You just kind of have to work through and don't get uninspired by the crickets that you might hear after sending one email, five emails, ten emails. Um, And so some advice that I would give is to really just make sure that you, when you send these brands these initial emails or however you do contact them, you might want to contact them through social media if that's where you're prominently at, um, and then move on to email. Um, but essentially what I've always done is I've started with an email explaining myself really quickly in one sentence and what I do. And after that, I go into why I love the brand, why I love the brand and what I love about the brand. And essentially, I tell them how I can help them. So when it comes to partnerships, you don't want to focus on yourself. You don't want to be like, well, I want some free stuff. Like, (laughs) you don't want to start there. (laughs) Um, So at least from my experience, what the best thing to do is to explain to them how much you love their brand, do your research on the brand. Um, You you could even go as far as talking about their mission statement, um, going and looking at their... um, press packages online so looking at all those things and bringing that up in the email it shows that you're invested shows that you did your research and telling them how you can help them so telling them maybe for example um if it was an essential oil company and i was going after an essential oil company i could be like your essential oils have really helped me and they've really helped with my chronic illness and i think that this would be super relevant to my audience and the niche that i'm in and so i think that going after the conversation that way and telling them that how it'll benefit them is the most important um and after you send that email I would say follow-up is really important. So doing a follow-up maybe one or two weeks out and 
Um, not taking it to heart if they don't reply back. You can always try again in a few months and reach out to them again. Sometimes people are just super busy. Um, there's obviously people are super busy all the time. They probably get tons of emails a day depending on what brand you reach out to. So try not to get discouraged and try to think of local brands, bigger brands, and smaller brands that can that can really uh, be a part of whatever niche you're in. Good. Now, what does a typical brand partnership look like? Like, how would it be structured? Is it a certain amount of posts for a certain fee? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, so I think that uh, for me, it would probably be a blog post, um, would be like a feature in a blog post, or it would be a certain amount of Instagram posts or an Instagram post in a story. Um, but I haven't really gotten a lot of those branded partnership deals yet. Um, those are things I'm still working on a lot of the relationships because for me, something that was really important when I did um, reach out to these companies is that I have a strong relationship with these people and that I love the brand and that I'm not promoting anything to my um, to my audience. I've been reached, like a few brands have reached out to me that I didn't feel was right and I didn't feel like I knew the brand enough and I think that it's important to stick to that um, especially when you have a smaller audience because you don't want to seem fake and you don't want to um, sway your your audience into buying something that you don't even like or you've never mm -hmm. even tried. So right. I think it's really important to be genuine and honest and that goes back to being real like Sierra Bray says. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to you. <laughs> so I think that um, just really... Um, making it work for you is making sure that there's stuff that you would actually use or there are brands that you would actually follow. So you did mention that you have been working on fostering some of those relationships. So how would you say you maintain the relationship with the brand long term? Yeah, so that's like a great question. And I think that my biggest thing is to follow up and to also um, keep them in your radar by providing them with content that might not be paid. Okay. So for example, you could, if you've done recently a sponsored blog post and it was a few weeks ago or a month ago or something, you could bring it back up in an Insta post or an Instagram story or on Twitter or whatever it may be. So giving them some a little bit of free stuff, I feel like keeps them under their radar. You can tag them in them, show them that you're still using these products. And it also shows your audience that you're not just featuring products when it's a sponsored post because that's showing the audience that that you actually really love those products so it's kind of a win-win like you're promoting it again you you've already made this content you're promoting it again the brand's gonna see it again and your audience is gonna see how much you actually really do love it because you're promoting it again without being asked to or without being paid for it so that's one way I feel like you could continue to get people's attention or maybe even that's how you start getting attention from a brand if you if you've never reached out to them before um, and another way I think is just staying in contact through email so email is great because you're talking to the press or the PR team themselves um, their social media is good but often especially with bigger brands their social media and press and PR is run by two different people so if you're contacting one or the other you have to be cognizant of that um, so I think just um, 
and even another good way to do it would also be to feature some of the products or services that are new to that company that you might not have tried yet so that could be a good way to do like a plug on your inst or your social media as well so i hope that kind of made sense yeah for sure (laughs) i feel like it's kind of like the the business concept of under promising and over delivering yeah so that's kind of your first point you want to tell them you're going to do what they want but then also be willing to throw in a couple extra things to be like hey this is how much i really like you this is how much i value our partnership let's keep it going Mm -hmm. so i love that yeah and i definitely think that like um it depends on how big you are right maybe if you're a giant influencer you don't have the time to do stuff like that but for somebody who's a micro influencer i would call myself Mm -hmm. um i think that that's definitely something that's more your route because i don't have like a million brands asking me to do like partnerships every single day why don't you just for our audience's sake explain the term micro influencer versus yeah so a micro influencer versus like a macro influencer i guess is what you would say is a micro influencer is somebody who has a smaller group or smaller audience um it's typically somebody that i i mean i don't think there's like a set number but i would say probably anybody under the like 50k mark maybe 50,000 followers or less is probably a micro influencer and then there's kind of like micro micro influencers now too that are even smaller and more niche um but and then versus like your huge influencers um so there's kind of just different tiers going from people who have millions of followers to maybe a hundred a couple hundred thousand to like less than 50 and even smaller so i feel like that's kind of a a ballpark of what the ranges of followers would be for those type for those people okay perfect so speaking of growth and going from a micro influencer to a macro influencer where do you hope to take gutsy feeling in the next five years yeah that's a very challenging question i feel to answer (laughs) but it actually got me reflecting uh to think of this question and i think that in five years it i will definitely be in a different stage in my life but i hope to continue to keep my content real to keep explaining my life my stories and to keep sharing what i do um, on a daily basis maybe as i move through into my career um, in architecture um, this hopefully becomes a side hustle something that i can make some a bit more money off of as part of my side hustle so maybe i'm doing part-time split because for a while there i was wondering do i want to do this as an actual my actual only career but I love architecture so much that I don't think I could get rid of it. And mm-hmm. I think that architecture and what I'm doing can go hand in hand because I want to um, pursue architecture that will help people. And I think that my blog is a way of helping people and so mm-hmm. will architecture for me. So my main mission, I guess, as a person is to help people. And so that's where I kind of see myself going. I'll be growing my career in architecture while also growing this blog. Um, and at some point I do plan on writing a book Um, I plan on writing a book. It won't be till after I'm done my thesis because that's a whole nother book I have to write. (laughs) (laughs) But um, 
it will probably be in the next two-ish years I'll be writing that book so that is something that is a long-term goal um, I have a lot of it like drafted out and I'm super excited about the idea of it and it's something that I'm really passionate about so I think that that will be super exciting once it happens but overall I'm just kind of going with the flow and seeing where it takes me it's already exceeded what I thought it was going to be I thought there would only be like 20 people reading my blog <laughs> still yeah. today so um I think that I'm just kind of going with it and trying to adapt as I go that's beautiful and I can't wait to read your book <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so Usually to close off the episode, I ask everyone how they would define the term hustle because the podcast is called The Hustler Hot Seat. Mm -hmm. So in your terms, how would you define the term hustle? So for me, this is a very interesting um, term or word to use. And I think that for me, hustle would be progressing and pushing every day. Um, so progressing and pushing forward every single day despite setbacks, despite challenges, and continuing to go and push and go for the life that you want. So I know that hustle has some bad reputation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, it <laughs> um, <does. laughs> yeah. But I, I don't think it needs to. And I, I think that hustle can be a good thing. And I think it's important. It's, it's pushing you forward. It's making you move. It's getting you excited. And I think that you have to be progressing and moving and jumping over hurdles. Um, and I think that's what really hustle is all about. It's keeping, it's, it's moving forward and it doesn't talk anywhere about go, go, go. You don't have to just work your whole life away but I think that hustle is just about progressing I love that and I'm so glad you said that <laughs> it makes me <laughs> so so happy um, I've been trying to kind of redefine the term by using this podcast mm -hmm. so um, I really like the way that you look at it and I think that that's super important that our audience hears that yeah great so before we close off, I do this thing called the Rapid Fire Five, and I'm going to ask you five random questions, and you're just going to blurt out the first thing that comes to your head, and then we'll just kind of close it off. Awesome. Let's do it. Okay. So your favorite essential oil? Lavender. Best book you've ever read? Mm. <laughs> uh, big Magic. Dream Vacation Destination. Europe. All of it. All of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Your go-to dance song. Mm, I have so many. Probably an old jazz song called A-Train. Because <laughs> cool. I'm literally an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And lastly, if you had a million dollars, how would you spend it? I would spend it giving back, probably where G giving back i would probably give back half of it to my parents half of it to well not half of it to my friends but a little bit to my <laughs> friends and then give some to me some to charity and help it help to support probably crohn's and colitis so we're all going to be natalie's friend yeah <laughs> you need to be my friend if i win a million dollars <laughs> that's beautiful so before we close off this episode why don't you tell the audience where they can find you online and yeah 
Absolutely. So I have a blog, which we've talked about a few times. It's just gutsyfeeling.com. Um, I, you can also find me on Instagram at gutsy feeling. You can find me on Facebook at gutsy feeling. Um, and Pinterest at gutsy feeling. <laughs> so it's all at gutsy feeling. <laughs> I love it. It's very awesome that you actually got all of your usernames I to know. be the same. So don't the only ever one change is Twitter. It. I can't do Twitter. Uh, it's taken. So I'm gonna. And the annoying part is the person on Twitter doesn't even use it. Oh. That's always that's the worst. That's the worst. And that's I know. always how it happens. <laughs> uh, Natalie, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. Your story is absolutely beautiful, and I'm so excited that the audience is going to get to hear it. Thank you so much for having me.